Welcome to ADHD Flourishing, about living awesomely with autism and ADHD. You deserve recognition for both the challenges and the superpowers of this unique neurotype. Let's celebrate wisdom and support from real-life stories, and talk strategies to manage the difficulties of day-to-day life, so we can move beyond that to thriving and building a sustainable and awesome life. If you want to be here, you are accepted here, and you belong. I'm your ADHD host, Mattia Murray. Let's do this. Welcome. Today's episode is titled, Don't Become a Coach for the Money. And this is loosely a follow-up conversation to last week with Samantha Pollock about ethics and marketing and her experience with some of the seedy underbelly of marketing in the coaching world. This episode is also a response to the people who approach me telling me they're interested in becoming a coach because a lot of the programs marketed to aspiring coaches focus on how much money you can make, which I guess makes sense. But that's not the experience of most coaches, at least not quickly. And I don't want you to waste your money. And yes, I do have some ideas on how to get started that I'll share in this episode briefly so you have a sense of it. But mostly this episode is about ethics, about selling coaching, including some new stuff I just learned that is burning a hole in my brain. And soon I'll be sharing the results of a Google form I had put out called Your Experiences Purchasing Courses and Coaching, which I shared in the January 13th episode. And if you'd like to share your experiences, I'll put that link in the show notes because this is absolutely an ongoing conversation for me, both as a consumer and purveyor of coaching services. I'm very curious to hear about others' experiences, and it helps me feel more comfortable sharing my own, especially when it comes to the ways I feel I've been duped. It's kind of embarrassing, but it's also pretty common to fall for sleek marketing. And this brings me to my first major point about all of this, which is the elements of the coaching world that are kind of MLM-like. In case you're blissfully unaware, MLM stands for multi-level marketing, and it's when a person isn't just selling a product, they're getting people into their, quote, downline to also sell the same products, and the company makes money from both the products and from their contractors paying them a bunch to, quote, have their own business. It's widely considered a scam, but it's also quite popular in America and is historically tied into some of our weirder religious movements. Without going into the history of MLMs in general or why I hate them so much, there are two broad points I want to talk about. One is how much of the coaching world is made up not of getting better at coaching, but getting better at marketing. And I think this is something Sam touched on in her materials and we talked about briefly in last week's podcast. The other is how anything similar to an MLM screws up pricing. Both points are also covered in an excellent podcast series I'll be sharing in the show notes. Point one that I just mentioned helps explain why there are accusations of the entire coaching world being like multi-level marketing, the classic coaches teaching coaches how to coach. But here's the thing, that's actually not the worst of it. The worst of it is marketers teaching coach marketers how to market often to other coaches. Like it's just this circular thing. They're not teaching how to get better at what they do, not how to help people more and not how to make sure that their clients or customers are happy long-term. There's this whole world of courses and programs that aspiring coaches can buy that are not about being a better facilitator. They're about how to market. And I might not have a problem with that if they were reasonably priced courses, but the two I've joined were between two and $3,000. And in retrospect, I would actually have preferred either a membership model to get what I needed from them or outright would have paid more like 25% of that at most. I would say both of those courses were in retrospect worth maybe $500 to me. 
And yes, there's a reason prices are so bloated in the coaching industry, which is also coming up. If this is totally not your area at all, and you're just enjoying hearing me talk shit a little bit, you may not know this next part. What happens is that aspiring coaches are effectively marketed to and convinced to buy often many thousands of dollars of courses that are just about marketing and selling, not being a better coach. And I am raising my hand on this one. I have joined these courses. And then in order to recoup those costs, basically they need to charge more than they otherwise might based on their actual skill level. Charging more than you're ready to, either in terms of skill or nervous system capacity, is not only ethically squicky, it's also very hard to do. For me, I just kind of refused to do that early on, um, in retrospect, because of my demand avoidance. <laughs> I just refused to do that. But I've seen plenty of others go with, quote, market rate pricing right away, because they can. And then part of what happens is that many of the people willing to pay those rates are other coaches. Plus, Another niche where people are willing to pay those prices is business coaching or help with marketing. Um, and just to kind of mention, if you have no idea what I'm talking about in terms of prices, uh, I have definitely seen multiple business coaches brag about how they can make $1,000 an hour or more. So, I mean, there's that end of it. I'm kind of talking about more in the sort of near at least the ranges I charge basically, which is a lot less than that. But you know, there's this ridiculously huge range in the industry. And because people are willing to pay so much for business coaching or help with marketing, coaches end up taking what they're learning in these marketing and selling programs and turning around and charging higher rates to other coaches who are willing to pay them. That's where I think the multi-level marketing accusations come in. And I think that's totally fair. I want to be clear that I don't think marketing is a bad thing. <laughs> it can be as simple as telling people what you do and as fancy as a built out system, including ads. Neither of those are automatically unethical. However, just because it's possible to learn how to market and sell well, doesn't automatically equate to doing a good job, which reminds me of the concept of enshittification, the American Dialect Society 2023 word of the year. Moving on to big point number two, anything at all MLM-like screws up pricing big time. I'd like to acknowledge here, you may not have been convinced by the previous point that there's anything MLM-like in the coaching world. That's okay. I'm not delving into all the details or talking about terrible organizations like the Life Coach School, uh, although, <laughs> whoops, while I'm mentioning them, may I just say they're deeply toxic and unethical and it's worth staying far away from them. But whether or not you believe me about the scammy nature of marketers teaching coaches how to market marketing to other marketing coaches, I'd like to direct your attention to what ended up being a four-part podcast episode on the Marketing Muckraking Podcast by Rachel K. Albers with guest Lisa Robin Young. If you're not interested in the coaching world, no need to go watch the almost four total hours of this incredible long-form conversation. But if you're a coach or aspiring coach, oh my God, this series was brain candy. I'll link to all four videos in the show notes, or you can go look up the Marketing Muckraking podcast if you just want to listen. Here are the titles of the four videos, just to give you a sense. One, Thomas Edison to Tony Robbins, the online business family tree. Two, six-figure masterminds, Marie Forleo and the syndicate. Three, click funnels, fake it till you make it and money ball. And four, fix it from within or burn it all down. What's next? And P.S. The two speakers are kind of on opposite sides of that last question. So that was fun to listen to for me. 
And I believe it was part two of all of those, if you just want to listen to one of them, that brought me to big point number two, anything MLM-like screws up pricing big time. One of the especially annoying things about MLMs is that they on average hike up their prices 30% to make up for the cost of paying the promised percentage to their distributors. That's in the physical product model because most MLMs sell physical products. So anytime you see a physical product being sold by an MLM, you can assume it's actually worth about 30% less because the company is not simply distributing money to their downlines out of the goodness of their heart. It's a for-profit model. How this maps onto the coaching and courses world is that there was a huge shift in pricing when affiliate programs and joint venture JV partnerships started becoming a primary way of selling. It became the norm, I believe about 10 or 15 years ago, but don't quote me on that, for JV partnerships and sometimes affiliate programs to give 50% of the proceeds to the other coach or online marketer who helped you make the sale. And just like the physical products, they didn't just pay out of the goodness of their hearts. Instead, Everyone just doubled the cost of their programs to make up for it. And there still remains this whole close-knit world of big-name online marketers who all sell each other's programs. The podcast episodes I link go into details on names and dates if you're curious. I was quite shocked to learn that about everyone doubling the cost of their programs because that explains so much about the price anchoring in the industry that's quite high. Maybe you remember this shift, but I wasn't plugged into this world at all when this happened, so I was just totally unaware. And when I showed up, prices were just hella high. It's very important to know all of this if you're interested in coaching or any similar small business where you might be marketing, because the way it's often sold to us, and I've seen the Facebook ads, is that you can very quickly make six figures a year or beyond by becoming a coach. And they point to the successful sales of their own programs, which is again, part of a much larger business paying for ads. And the reality for solopreneurs is that we don't have access to those networks of bigwigs promoting each other's programs unless we pay into an extraordinarily expensive mastermind. And again, if you don't know this world, I'm usually talking about 10K to 100K or even more for a six to 12 month group mastermind program. It's absolutely wild. And this brings us back to the MLM nature of the beast, because once you pay to be in the room, you make connections to other people who have the money to either directly pay for your program or are in a social class where they can recommend you to friends. So yes, there's a bit of truth that you can buy into these spaces and get your business going. And then again, what happens, or one thing that can happen is that in order to make those costs back, it's important to charge those really high prices that not many people are willing to pay unless they're already used to that price anchoring in the coaching world. It's a wild circle, y'all. And I do want to talk about a bit about where I'm at personally, since listening to that podcast series and learning more about where some of this shit came from, in particular, the whole prices doubling industry-wide before I even entered the scene and what that implies for my business personally. This might be another one of those things where it's not, quote, smart for me to talk through this publicly when I'm still figuring it out for myself. <laughs> but as usual, I want to actively invite people in who are cool with and enjoy my transparency because this is also a part of my own unmasking process. And I want to believe that it's safe to overshare sometimes, not all the time, just when I want to. That wanting to is key, and I do want to talk about this. 
With this new knowledge about prices in the coaching world, there are three main directions I could go because right now, most of my prices are not at all pushing the high end of the coaching world, especially since everything I currently offer has sliding scale pricing. So I could potentially push prices upward, knowing that the market will overall sustain it. I hate that approach. I could keep doing what I'm doing because I'm pretty happy with my sliding scale, especially for helping people one-on-one. Or I could essentially cut program prices in half to reflect what I think the coaching world probably should have been doing this whole time. I'm actually going to talk through this on three fronts since I have three big things right now. While my thought process is probably most applicable to other small business folks, I'm hoping it's also interesting from a consumer perspective, which I also am because I also purchase coaching and other kinds of support. With Like Your Brain, the chill group space, it is literally already the lowest cost thing for anything similar I've seen. The lowest side of the sliding scale, that is, and the high end is more like the middle of similar things I've seen. So already by design, I think I've achieved that cut the price in half idea. And I did that on purpose from the beginning because a lot of what people are getting out of it is the community aspect. I'm quite happy with keeping it affordable because I want people to just be able to exist there and absorb content as they have capacity. Growing capacity to be seen in a group is a huge part of long-term healing. It's such a loving and generous and kind group of people. And just being in the space helps people feel seen, heard, and validated. I'd like to keep that very accessible in terms of cost because ADHD folks can struggle to find spaces where they can share things and just be understood. The other existing program is Love Your Brain, which came before, like, thus the parallel in titles, Love Your Brain is a creative incubator for five months to work on a large project with both group and one-on-one support and simultaneously support all of the personal growth shit that comes up alongside that. What people may experience as resistance, for example, gives us a roadmap to figure out processes that work for them long-term. My goal when I started the program was to provide something I had spent so much money trying to find but never found, something that can truly support the gifted ADHD experience to use the strengths of that neurotype without burnout risk. I want to share about the history of how the program has played out so far because it fits into this wider conversation. It also feels useful for y'all to hear about because when program prices change, it's usually only ever going up and it's usually not documented. This is one of those rare times when both prices have come down for good reasons, and I want to talk about why. Plus, it plugs into this larger question of what to do next, because I'm still figuring that out. When I designed Love Your Brain as an official program, I did so with someone I really respect from both a design perspective and from an ethical marketing perspective, Amelia Harubi, who hosts the Off The Grid podcast. Before that, I had done a trial run of my ideas for it with a one-on-one client, who had both big creative goals and big personal stuff coming up alongside it. Because my hypotheses worked amazingly well for that particular person, and they got really absurdly good results from it, I felt ready to officially make it into something. As Amelia and I worked together on pricing in particular, we talked about two things that are common in the coaching world. One, what's the actual value of the results people get from this? And two, what total time and effort am I putting in for each client and Is that reflected in the price? Because it's not just about live hours with people. It's about the prep work I do for them individually, not prepping the program, but like prepping for a session with them. Uh, There's additional emails. There's other ways we connect throughout that time. There's, 
you know, the flexibility that I allow for people to let the sessions go on longer than initially, um, at least in that original couple versions of the program, uh, and then additional research and help I provide as needed, again, to the individual. And the price we landed on, well, and there was a group component as well, so for the group, um, the price we landed on was 12222 for the initial six-month program. And while that felt like a lot to me, the math did make sense for a program where the core of it was one-on-one individualized support from me. And by make sense, I mean make sense in that broader world of what people expect to pay for coaching and programs that actually do provide something. In this case, the promise was that we can make that big creative goal happen while building systems that will be repeatable so you can walk away from it and keep it going sustainably. Plus the neurodivergent specific side of this working for your brain specifically and knowing how hard that is to find. But that latter part, knowing that it's hard to find, still irks me a little bit. Me being able to offer something really unique and hard to find and valuable to people in the long run in a free market system means I can charge as much as I want. Most people assume that will always equate to charging more, more, more. But as a member of the community, I'm quite bothered that this information is so hard to find, and not just the information, but the direct implementation help that makes this stuff actually doable for most of us. What's special about what I do is that I'm pretty much at the point where I can promise you that if I tell you this thing is doable based on what you're describing and where you're at, I can actually get you there. Sometimes I don't think something is doable for specific reasons, and that might be because it doesn't line up with my particular skill set, so it may be doable somewhere else. Another reason I say no to people is because they need some foundational work first, and especially for Love Your Brain, that feels really important because it's aimed at mid-career folks. And again, there's just not much out there in this space. Uh, And it's aimed at those folks for a reason. Even if they're doing something new, they have some experience built up around what works for them or their industry. So they're coming in with some knowledge. So back to the pricing. With all of that said, I felt very nervous about the 12K price tag, but I went ahead and started selling. And like I said, I had bought these programs that taught me how to sell and I did the thing. And I was honestly pretty shocked when someone bought it, paid in full, and we didn't even have a phone conversation. We just chatted via email. And what I want to share about that in particular is that we had met in an expensive program. So it goes back to that earlier point that once you've paid to be in the room, you can sell to other coaches. I had some other sales conversations with folks in that early round and had two more people who were really close to a yes on the fence one of whom I ended up saying wasn't a good fit at the time for where she was at, and that was absolutely the right choice for both of us. The other person didn't want to pay that much, and that's totally legit. I was like, that makes sense. (laughs) I've thought many times since then about how if I'd been more pushy or done more traditional sales techniques along the lines of what I'd been taught, probably both of those people would have signed up, and it would have been a totally different vibe that would not have felt good to me even if I delivered it well. I would have been stressed out by it. So as it was, the first official session of Love Your Brain ran with one person in it, meaning she got one-on-one support throughout for all of it. And it was actually awesome, even though part of me felt bad that I hadn't sold more spots, not just because of total money, but because of how I thought it might look. 
But then the one person who had paid me the most anyone had ever paid me at one time also did get really ridiculous results. She hasn't written me an official testimonial yet, but I know when it happens, it'll be great. Yay, ADHD. Her huge project had been in progress for 15 years, and she not only finished it, but got it out in front of a bunch of interested agents and did this on top of a bunch of personal stuff coming up, and I'm so proud of her. Back to this pricing question, for her, it was absolutely worth it because I helped her get past this huge brain boulder of how long the project had been not finished. Getting it out in the world, plus having it land so successfully in the world, was worth it to her, and that's awesome. There's also something to clients who can afford prices like that, having the nervous system stability to be able to actually do stuff. And I'm not going to dive totally into that, but I just want to acknowledge that I know that's part of what's going on here. Chronologically, this brings me to the second round of Love Your Brain. When I started thinking about selling it, I was really thinking about that point of nervous system readiness to do big projects. Price can be a factor in filtering out folks who need a different kind of support, for example, therapy that I don't provide. And what's weird for me there is that I actually can and do provide some earlier level nervous system support in one-on-one coaching, but I didn't want it to be the main focus in Love Your Brain because I wanted people to be able to do the big project part in a healthy and sustainable way not just in a burnout risk kind of way, which is how most goal-oriented programs end up feeling, at least to me. I not only brought the price down, I also added a sliding scale that wasn't there the first time around. So the new price, which is still technically the current price if I don't change anything, was a sliding scale of $3,500 to $7,500. In the application for the program, I still only have the high number of that in the question about how it feels to that person's nervous system, because I think it's really hard to truly answer the question for a range, but that said, the sliding scale exists. If you're doing the math, that's a huge jump from the original 12K price to a sliding scale that goes down to almost 75% less than that. And this brings me back to how arbitrary a lot of the pricing feels in the coaching world, because I'm providing exactly the same amount of help and support on both fronts. The program did become five months long, but that wouldn't have automatically reduced the price by so much. It was part of this larger existential crisis I was having that I've talked about on the podcast around to whom I am selling and why and how I don't want to meet my revenue goals by continuously raising prices to my own community or by selling a lot of cheap crap, which a lot of the smaller courses out there are now because the price anchoring is such that a program probably worth $300 in real world terms, in my opinion, is now being sold for $2,000. And recordings of live workshops I would happily pay $25 for are now selling for $200. Literally saw someone the other day charging $200 for a bunch of one-off workshop recordings and like, okay, maybe they're amazing, but I doubt it. This brings me to more or less now because I do need to make some decisions about the next round of Love Your Brain which I still do want to do because I put a lot into designing the program and it's a really good program. But now I'm sitting here with this idea that I mentioned earlier that industry-wide prices are probably twice what they should be because of that JV and affiliate stuff a decade or more ago. Funnily enough, at least right now, I feel like that knowledge is pushing me towards something I was already thinking of doing, 
which is to split up the teaching side and the one-on-one side to make it more flexible, both for timing and pricing for folks. This would most likely look like a course you can buy anytime with pre-recorded materials that teach the core concepts. This includes both what I've taught in the group calls in the second round, to be clear, re-recorded, both for their privacy and to have a high quality recording because, oh my God, I'm so tired of shitty audio quality in courses made out of live calls. And this would also include some additional teaching from patterns that came up across multiple clients in the program. So basically what you would need to know to put this into action in your life, and you'd have the option to implement on your own. This would also bring the initial cost way down if folks want to implement alone or more slowly, plus be more accessible for anyone who needs a lot of time to integrate. Then I would probably have two add-ons, six months at a time of group coaching calls to ask questions and work on implementing the core teaching, as well as a set package of one-on-one sessions with me to actually do the damn thing, which again would probably be over the course of six months, but could be added on whenever people are ready to go with the materials. Another idea I had was at the end of the program, we have an implementation retreat, and that could also be another one-on one-off thing people could add, like maybe quarterly. Um, And then again, it's just another way to implement without the automatic structure of doing all these things at once with a clear endpoint. Now, this idea of splitting it up wouldn't be better for everyone because some people do just want that bounded time with the deadline. However, in terms of what I really teach and believe, I'm actively guiding people away from the pure adrenaline, anxiety, deadline-oriented way of working with ADHD and toward a sustainable and repeatable process. So I think this could work. I'm still thinking about it and asking clients for their thoughts because they have the most perspective on this. If I go that route, the actual core teaching of it will be priced far below industry standard. And this isn't just because of everything I learned about pricing in the industry. It's not just because I want my community to have access to it. It's because it really will just be the first step in a larger optional program. And the total program price, if you buy all of it, will still probably be somewhere in that current sliding scale range. Because it's about deconstructing the program in an actually useful way. I'm not just going to charge as much as possible for the pieces. I've never seen anybody quite do this, so I'm kind of making it up, but I have seen, you know, things where you can add things on and they're often, they often cost a lot, but I'm really thinking through them as part of the whole. And while a lot of programs call the original teaching part, the most quote valuable in my experience, it's the integration and implementation that are the most valuable. And for most ADHD folks, that's a lot easier with direct support of some kind. As usual, this feels quite vulnerable to be talking through this stuff that most people in my industry don't share in this way, which is for a reason, by the way. (laughs) There's also this vibe of projecting success as a part of toxic positivity culture, and that's also covered in the four-part podcast series linked in the show notes. I'm an anti-perfectionist, or at least I try to be. Part of that to me means that I don't think it's embarrassing or shameful to share about changing my mind or even making mistakes. Now, is my nervous system a little amped up about those things still sometimes? Sure. But for me, an active practice of sharing this stuff has really helped me. 
By the way, I'm not recommending that at all as a starting point. I did a lot of foundational somatic healing before I started a podcast. And I had another podcast before this one blew up. So I'd already practiced sharing to more like 50 people a week for quite a while and gotten used to it. Oh, right. I didn't get to the third part of my business, which is the overall one-on-one work. I have a very strong skill set and a sliding scale. So that feels good for now. This last year, I moved away from long-term one-on-one coaching towards shorter packages because consistently people were getting a lot of what they needed in just a few sessions. However... Learning more about monotropism really has me thinking again about how some of that longer term connection is good for monotropic brains. So I'm thinking about what that might look like. One way that might look is having just a few spots for annual coaching available, basically a fix your whole fucking life coaching, though of course in a chill and loving way. That's still on my brain's back burner. And just like Love Your Brain, it's coming out of thinking about designing something I really want for myself and I've had trouble finding. In the context of the above, it makes sense to talk about two more points quickly that I care about. One is that all of what I've talked about today is from this very specific cultural framework of changing, fixing, doing, which I want to acknowledge is not at all the only way to experience the world. Some of my work early on ended up being a loving bait and switch for some people because when I was talking publicly about neurodivergence and procrastination, for example, people would come to me wanting to force their brain to do stuff. And then I'd end up teaching them about self-love and self-compassion. Over time, I realized I'm mostly interested in the latter. And yet I'm still a person who personally wants to make a bunch of creative shit. That pushing, doing, fixing mentality is deep in me as a youngish American. And it is very much not all I think about. And it's definitely not the only way to experience life. And then I also want to acknowledge that I've mostly been talking today about purchasing solutions or learning. And that's also not the paradigm I want to live in personally. Creating excellent free resources is very important to me not the least because large swaths of both the trans and ADHD communities are economically repressed through many means. Obviously, there's the free podcast you're listening to, and that takes up a huge amount of my time and mental space. There's the blog on ADHDflourishing.com website, which over time I helped to build up as a go-to resource for a wide variety of information from an ADHD perspective. Sometimes I guest on other people's podcasts, which is free and helps new people find all the free resources. This is important to me, not just in terms of economic justice, insofar as that's possible, but also because of the healing timeline being so different for all of us, which is again, implying or referencing that particular paradigm of fixing. So please ignore any part of this that doesn't resonate for you. In my own experience of healing, especially from both existing and ongoing complex PTSD, both from childhood and from just existing as a multiply marginalized person, it's a long road. Thus, The Longer Road is the name of my first podcast. Because I'd experienced so much unsafety and re-traumatizing while trying to access resources and help, I was beyond hesitant to pay for or even join any group program where I might experience more harm. Even if the harm was unintentional, there were points where being misgendered just ruined my day, let alone inaccessibility on the neurodivergence front. Part of what helped me enormously was open access to free materials that I could absorb in a way that felt safe enough 
for my frazzled nervous system. As a small example, podcasts while I was in motion doing other things was a go-to, but sometimes I needed to watch a video or read something to get the full information. The way we take in information as ADHD folks can vary not only day by day, but moment by moment as our sensitive mind-body systems handle the internal and external input. Being able to listen to the same thing over and over in a way that felt safe enough often got me out of feeling stuck. So I'm thinking broadly about accessibility, not only in the sense of how much it costs, but how easy is it to find, absorb, integrate, and return to in a format that makes the most sense to your brain in that particular moment. I'm by no means perfect on the accessibility front, and I feel immense guilt about every failure of accessibility in my materials. For example, when I'm behind on transcripts, which I know I am right now, actually it's on my to-do list this week to ask for help with transcripts, so I guess I can do that here too if you're listening and that's something you might be up for helping with, even occasionally or even just once, I could really use some help. That said, the podcast is doing amazingly well. Not only are we at 52K downloads and consistently over 10K a month now, it's been charting in a bunch of countries in the mental health category, which is super cool and a big honor. Charting means that in this case, for Apple Podcasts, although there are other charts also, it's within the top 200 podcasts in a category. I think the highest one I've seen was number 16 in Ghana in mental health, which is wild because I personally only know a couple people who live or have lived in Ghana, so it's not like I have a big community there or something. Okay, this episode kind of got away from me because as usual, it turns out I had a lot to say. So I'm actually going to make a separate episode about my ideas about starting a business as a coach. People ask me about it a lot. And while I could also talk about that for hours, there are some basics that I think are worth pulling out on their own so it's easy to process for people's brains. What I will say on that front goes back to the title. Unless you want to do a bunch of unethical shit that makes you feel terrible about yourself, do not become a coach for the money. (laughs) Yes, it's possible to make decent money with it, but in my experience, the programs out there teaching you how to make a lot are also wildly overpriced programs teaching the unethical shit that makes me feel terrible about myself. If it's not about the money, why might you want to become a coach? For me, it's because I love, love sharing what I've learned and helping people like me have a less difficult journey. Personally, it makes me feel like some of my trauma was worth it, not in a it should have happened sense, but in a being able to build something beautiful out of it. Because it did happen, and I don't want other ADHD folks and trans folks to suffer as much as I did. And part of that is around unshaming and normalizing our experiences. You might also become a coach to teach something very practical and a bit more consulting-y. I also know coaches who were therapists that got tired of all the bullshit of insurance and the limitations and modalities you're allowed to use in the licensed therapist world. For example, in many states, you're not allowed to use hypnosis, even though elements of it are evidence-based. There are so many ways to help people. Coaching is just one form it can take. And the private messages, i.e. not testimonials, that clients send me about how meaningful it's been for them are what keep me doing the work for now, even though I could make a hell of a lot more going the corporate consulting or executive coaching routes, which again, I'm really not down on ethically because if I needed to make a lot of money quickly, 
I'd rather do that than try to get my own community to pay me a whole bunch. One final thought as a consumer, because I do want to touch on that a bit more for anyone who is considering a coach or course. Many people will say, trust your gut, but I actually think that's bad advice given how a lot of marketing works. One of the most common pieces of advice in marketing is to just say it again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And I wonder how illegal it would be for me to recite all of Gertrude Stein's poem that says one and one and one a hundred times. There goes that brain. But truly, if you follow people who sell a lot or even just post or write or share a lot as part of a larger strategy of marketing, which again is one of the most common strategies, especially on social media and email marketing, it can slowly and subtly pressure you into buying. The quote, no like trust factor people talk about doesn't automatically mean they've actually done anything to help you yet. It just means you've gotten used to seeing them around. This is why I don't think trusting your gut really works. I almost bought something once just because I'd heard the person mention it like a hundred times and they were a personal friend. And then as I was headed to checkout, I was like, oh my God, I'm in autopilot because the marketing worked on me. Fun fact, marketing works on you whether or not you believe it does. It often works even more effectively on people who think they're resistant to it. So a tiny preview of the spending impulsivity workshop Changing those environmental factors is a key to not spending in ways you don't want to because repetition works on our little fleshy human brains. So how do you decide if something is actually a good fit or worth the price? Ultimately, that will have to do with your own overall financial picture, which I don't know about, because if you truly have disposable income, you might be willing to pay more for something that's worth it to you. A few things I look for as a consumer are as follows. One, has their free content or small paid content already helped me? Because if no, their big one won't either. Two, does the way they communicate fully make sense to my brain? If not, have they been able to answer my questions when I reached out to ask them? Personally, I'm at the point where I won't pay much for things where the creator no longer answers questions about it because scaling in the coaching and courses world ends up feeling like a scam a lot of the time. Three, do I feel 100% extremely excellent about every piece of content I've ever seen from them? This is a super high bar and not very many people meet it. You don't need to use this, but some people do meet this bar for me, like Linda Tai. I don't count when I'm feeling overwhelmed by opening an email when I'm supposed to be doing something else, but in terms of the person's actual content, even if I disagree with an individual point, Do I come away feeling empowered or better in some way, or have I consistently learned something useful? If even 10% of the time I'm coming away with squicky stomach discomfort, I don't want to buy from that person because there's something misaligned between us and that's okay. Four, is there either a preview available of the material and or a refund policy if it ends up not being a good fit? Do not trust the refund policies that make you complete the course material and show your work. I promise those places will never refund you, and they have whole teams of people to try to talk you out of it. If the preview is a list of titles and modules and such, do they make sense? And are they actually aligned with what you want to learn right now for a specific reason? Or are they weird, cutesy, proprietary labels that kind of sound like bullshit and don't really tell you what's in there? Five, 
if you buy this and get average or below average results, will it be worth it for you? This is such an important question for me at this point, because especially in programs that are not designed with autistic or ADHD people in mind, I'm quite likely to get average or below average results unless I'm willing to put in a shit ton of extra work (laughs) to make the material make sense to me. There are plenty of other metrics you can use. These are just what I think of and tell people to keep in mind. So in conclusion, please, please, please do not become a coach because you think it's a great way to make money fast. It's not, unless you join the MLM style side of things and don't buy anything from the life coach school. It's just getting worse and worse over there. Don't buy any expensive programs that claim to make you better at marketing or selling. Again, that's just my opinion, but it's true. And generally, I recommend against expensive coaching or certification programs until you've already coached a bit and know exactly what you need in terms of building a skill set, because presumably you're starting because you already have some skills. And I'll make that separate episode about my thoughts on getting started if it is something you want to do. If you want to hear a lot more on the seedy underbelly of the coaching and toxic positivity thinking family tree, the link to the marketing muckraking episodes are in the show notes. There's an anonymous survey about your experience buying coaching and courses also in the show notes. I was planning to share from the responses people have already sent in this episode, but then this got really long. So I'll do another little separate one with that and give you a chance to share your thoughts and experiences if you want to. It's totally anonymous and you can share in general without naming names. I won't be naming names. Um, I just really hate the life coach school. Um, (laughs) I both want you to have the space to share if it's helpful for you and to be able to talk more later about all this pricing kerfluffle stuff in my head because y'all, it's a big tangled ball that I've been trying to unravel in various forms for years. Thanks for listening to my rambling today. I hope it's interesting, even if you're like, uh, Mattia, I'm never going to participate in anything like this. In the interview with Samantha Pollock from last week, she made a really good point that if you're a small business owner, like her example of a client who does woodworking, most of what you find about how to do marketing is in the vein of what we're talking about. So even if you do something totally different or sell in a day job or anything related to marketing or sales, you've probably encountered some of the stuff in this episode. If you want to help a little bit with transcripts, you can reach out at the contact form in the show notes or email Mattia at MattiaMarie.com. I'm behind on it, but accessibility matters a lot to me. So I'd like to catch up and even some co-working would be useful. Okay, folks, be safe out there in the wild world of being constantly sold to. Living in the future is so weird. Talk to you next week. Excited to be putting out an episode with William Kerb from Hacking Your ADHD. That's up next. Plus, maybe a mini about the starting a coaching business stuff that I meant to get to today. It's safe to wrap up this episode and move on rather than saying every single thing in my brain. Thank you. I hope that sparked some ideas or possibilities for your own journey. If you'd like to go deeper, I invite you to click on the link in the show notes to join my newsletter, where I share more on these topics, point you to community resources, and share cute pictures of animals. I only send it when I have something meaningful to say. A friend put it well. With your newsletter, I feel like the predictability is in the quality, not the quantity, and it feels delightfully magical to have it pop up whenever it feels like it. Plus, you can respond directly to me, which I love. That link is in the show notes, or you can easily find it at my website, mattiamarie.com, M-A-T-T-I-A-M-A-U-R-E-E.com. 